You're listening to The Big Show on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. This is The Big Show, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. My name is Matt Rose. He is Patty Dumont. George Russick will be back on Tuesday. Alex Brody running the board for us today. Make sure that you're finding our one of the big show with Russick and Rose wherever you get your podcasts. Look for us on Spotify, Google, Amazon, you name it, Apple, and uh, download the podcast. Get every moment. Never miss a moment. Like our next guest, Frank Cervalli, who joins us down the Alice Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Frank is our Sportsnet 960 NHL Insider, brought to you by South Trail Chrysler with inventory shortages across the city. It's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit SouthTrailChrysler.com. Good morning, Frank. How are you today? Matt, I'm good. How are you? Doing well, man. No complaints. Uh, We got uh, plenty to talk about. Uh, You've been talking about it all week, but the trade board is out, and uh, a lot of focus on Bo Horvat, and perhaps... um, not going to be a Vancouver Canuck. That is uh, what you're led to believe, uh, in the future at least. Well, that's what I'm led to believe based on what the Vancouver Canucks have done behind closed doors, which is next to nothing in terms of negotiating with Bo Horvat's camp at this point. And when you see that play out, when you see the ridiculous start to the season that Bo Horvat has had, well, then they're in a spot where it probably leads to a trade. I mean, let's be honest. Jim Rutherford acknowledged that fact um, on Sportsnet 650 just a short time ago, a week or 10 days ago at this point, basically saying the better Bo Horvat plays, the more we're going to get for him in return. And so I think you have to park the stuff and and comments about, you know, we'd like to re-sign Bo, we'd like to keep Bo. If that is the case, they're doing a really strange job in showing it. This is kind of the the start of this time of the year where a lot more people start to think about trades and how can we start to improve our team and and how can some of these other teams that are maybe out of it start to recoup some assets a little bit early. What type of deal could you see happening for Bo Horvath? Is this anything you could see happening in the near future or is this something you'd probably wait until the trade deadline to see? Matty, honestly, there was some smoke that it might have happened last week. Like, I think there were some talks already. Um, And obviously, it it didn't progress quite to that point. But I think there's a number of teams that are interested. And I think there's a number of teams that are keeping close tabs on it that maybe aren't really ready to pull the trigger just yet. But depending on how this shapes up, they might be in a spot where they have to. Because, you know, I think from a Vancouver perspective, like, Given the way this has gone, given the the math that's daunting, I mean, we're only two weeks away from early December when last year they fired their coach and it, they made a miraculous run and still fell short, played 600 hockey down the stretch and still missed out on the playoffs. You know, it would take a run better than that at this point, given where they are in the standings. And I don't think anyone sees it happening. So at some point, they've got to be in a spot where they're ready to, to move on. And, and I do think that this is one of those things that probably doesn't go down to the wire on March 3rd that gets done before then. These deals are so fascinating because there could be a wide varying range of outcomes. You know, he's, he's a rental right now as a UFA, but 
if there's an extension that could get done, perhaps the, 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 the price could go right through the roof. How do you see that playing out? Is this a situation where perhaps he will just be a, a, a rental free agent and then see what happens when he gets to market just because, like you mentioned, this is a guy who's second in the league in goals. He's going to get a big payday at the end of the year. Well, it depends on how the acquiring team views him. I think there's a number of teams that are out there that would be interested in Bo Horvat as a long-term fit. And I think there's a, a, another subsection of teams that are interested in him probably purely as a rental. And so it depends also how the Canucks want to play it. I'm sure they're going to talk to everyone and work through the process, but at a certain point towards the end of it, if they get close to the finish line, they'd be really wise to allow that negotiation to take place before the deal is consummated so that they could increase their return and get a little bit more for allowing the other team to talk to Horvat's camp to get a deal done and to have an extension in place as soon as he is traded. So that would take a lot of pressure off. Um, And these deals can also happen quickly once the trade is made, but from a Canucks perspective, if they can maximize the return, that'd be smart. So just to break down some of the teams for you that I think make sense from a pure center need perspective, like look at Boston and the season that they're having absolute juggernaut of a year. And they're in a spot where, yeah, Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci are unbelievable centers, but how long are they going to be around? We know that Bergeron already was flirting with retirement last summer. Krejci came back from, uh, from Europe and, and decided to play another year. There's no guarantee that either one or both of those guys are back. Horvat makes sense on a long-term perspective. Detroit, they've got Larkin. They've got Cop down the middle. Larkin is also a pending unrestricted free agent. He's a Michigan kid. There's no guarantee he resigns, even though it's probably more likely than not. But they could use Bo Horvat from a long-term perspective. But I think there's some other teams, Edmonton, Colorado, go down the list that could use some center help that aren't probably in a spot to sign a major long-term ticket, at least the way their cap is currently constructed, and probably would be looking more in terms of a rental perspective. At the end of the day, from Vancouver, he's going to go to the highest bidder, and usually the teams that are looking at it from a long-term view are willing to pay the most. Vancouver's coming off a, a win over Colorado last night, a 4-3 to victory. They're 5-4-1 and in their last 10 games. Is the Bruce Boudreaux still, watch still very much on? Well, I mean, honestly, the way things have devolved, Matty, I think it's really a question of when and not yeah. if. Yeah. I mean, if this team's not making the playoffs, it's, it's one of those things. Does it happen at the end of the season? Does it happen two weeks from now? Does it happen two months from now? I think... The Canucks have been really patient on that part, like no sense throwing good money after bad. If you're going to make a change right now, I mean, what's what's the incentive to do so? In the end, you might actually just be hurting yourself if your team gets a bump in terms of draft positioning this year, and it might not make sense. We're chatting with Frank Cervalli, our NHL insider here on Sports 960 The Fan. This is the big show in the morning. My name is Matt Rose, and he's Patty Dumas. Frank, another name uh, that was pretty interesting to me because he's the only guy on your trade target that has an asterisk next to his name, and that's Anthony Duclair. Oh. Uh, feels like he uh, could still make an impact on this team, but obviously the Florida cap situation is going to probably force their hands sooner rather than later to make a move. Is Duclair a guy that they are uh, that they could move here, or is, uh, is he might be somebody they want to keep here, especially if they try to want to get to the playoffs? 
Well, he could certainly be that fit. And the reason he has the asterisk is because he's really just representative of the trade that Florida needs to make. And it's really largely in part of it because of his injury. When he's ready to go, like they're already playing at the minimum in terms of roster players. They had to play a man down when Barkov was sick last week. They're in a spot they don't they can't send anyone down. The only way to be fully cap compliant once Duclair is healthy and, and ready to be activated is to make a move. And so one of the easiest ways to do that could be to unload Duclair. But I was told to caution against that because that may not be the player that Florida chooses, that they may have something that they could work out and actually get something of value in return for some of the players that make more than Duclair on their cap. And when you look at Florida and the position that they're in futures-wise, because they really went for it, they don't have a first-round pick in 2023, four, or five, and they're missing second and thirds all over their board as well. They need to recoup some assets. Yeah. And so if that means moving a Sam Bennett or if it means moving a Sam Reinhardt, you know, Patrick Hornquist, I think, is in a different spot. I, I believe the Panthers have something in place with Hornquist to, uh, you know, to keep him there. I think that was part of making the trade from Pittsburgh was to say, we're, we're not going to move you again. So I, I wouldn't be pointing towards him, but it could be any one of those guys that makes a bit more than Duclair, or it could also be Duclair himself. Okay. Uh, Le- uh, there was a trade, a couple trades yesterday. The Leafs, uh, they added a defenseman in Connor Timmins. They lost another defenseman in the game yesterday to the Devils and Jordy Ben. Now, Timmins, obviously, a depth move. He's still a young guy that's still learning the game, but it's more of a depth move here. The Leafs, they're obviously still going to be trying to find somebody that's trying to work into their top four here, eh? Do either of you guys happen to know where Connor Timmins played junior hockey? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's... <laughs> Well, Kyle Dubas is collecting old greyhounds like Infinity Stones. It's the old uh, the old Sioux connection. The pipeline yeah, is strong. Yeah. Um, look, I spent a lot of time around Connor Timmins at World Juniors and, and was a really highly touted prospect who just hasn't been able to figure it out. It seems like his confidence is shattered, hasn't been able to break through into the NHL, and, and really actually even when he played in the AHL at some point struggled. So he's someone that really needs to have his game rebuilt. Uh, you know, basically when you're looking at it, Timmons is going to be put on waivers at some point by Arizona. So Toronto didn't have to give up much for a player that was highly touted, that was essentially going to be free. And they gave up a guy, a big guy from the AHL that has also really struggled. So this, I don't even consider that a stopgap move. Like I was thinking that at some point Toronto would step up this week just to bring in a warm body. Now that's heightened potentially even more with Jordy Ben if he's missing any sort of significant period of time, having just gotten him back in the last few weeks. So there's no doubt they they need bodies. They need more. Um, they don't want to be digging further into their their pipeline. You know, Mac Hollowell we already saw was the next guy up. You know, you're you're looking at the nine and ten spots on your depth chart and. and Honestly, surprisingly enough, the Flames have been there already as well um, in terms of some of the guys that they're bringing up. You want to try and avoid that as much as you can, and I'm waiting for a much larger transaction for Toronto that will come at some point. With the Coyotes, um, you know, Timmons was one of the guys that was kind of one of the key pieces in the Darcy Kemper deal. 
Um, how do you look back at that trade with this being kind of the latest part with one of the, the key prospects in that deal? Well, I mean, from Arizona's perspective, I think they managed it perfectly. That's the guy they had their sight set on. Not every player that you target pans out. Uh, there was plenty of reason to try and want to get your hands on Connor Timmons based on, you know, sort of the way things looked. He's also, I believe, dealt with some injuries that haven't helped. Um, but basically they, they held out to get that player. They had a, a really strong offer on the table for Darcy Kemper from Edmonton. It came down to those two teams. Edmonton was offering sort of the B-level prospect, and they felt like, in Timmons that they were getting an A and that's why they decided to make the move. I don't, I don't look at it any differently now than, than then they, they really waited to get as much as they could from a team that was desperate for quality goaltending. And they, they made a strong trade to get to, to move Kemper. And I think at this point, it's probably, you know, add another first round pick to the list for the Arizona Coyotes. They're in a pretty darn good spot in terms of, all the guys that they're going to be collecting through their system. And the next shoe to drop would probably be a Jacob Chikrin trade, which would also bring back a, a, a heavy, heavy return. Uh, he has an assist and eight shots in a 4 to nothing win over the Hurricanes in his second game back from injury. Uh, how big is that? Just to see that he's skated 20 minutes in both games, he's firing the puck, he's playing in all situations um, for teams that might want to acquire this guy who's been hurt for a lot of the last two seasons. Yeah, it's. I watched every shift of his first game back on Monday night, mm. and you could see some of those things that really make him a strong player. The mobility was there. You know, you see some minor mistakes, which is to be expected when it's November 21st and you're playing your first game since March 12th. I mean, he's dealt with a lot. The ankle and, and wrist surgeries were certainly significant. Um, and so that's the big question that teams have wanted answered. Like they understand why Arizona is, a is asking for a high price. Like they're looking for two first round picks and other pieces to come back for Jacob Chikrin, but he needs to prove it that he can be that guy that two years ago scored 18 goals in a 56 game shortened season from the back end. He didn't have it in his game last year. And certainly it was a big drop off and dealt with the injuries that He's got to, you know, they're going to need to see a few weeks or a month worth of play mm -hmm. in order to justify paying that high price. And if it's not there, well, then if Arizona really is going to be moving him, they're going to have to adjust their price down. Are there any other teams that you're kind of looking at right now as uh, teams that could be looking to make some moves in the very near future, shuffle some things up um, ahead of maybe the, the Christmas, uh, the, the holiday kind of moratorium that the NHL has? I'm, I've got my eyes on the Edmonton Oilers just up the road on Highway 2. I mean, 10-10-0. This is a team that's sitting outside the playoff picture. And as much as everyone's waiting and saying, oh, well, look at the Pacific. It's a little topsy-turvy. Seattle, they're probably going to fall off. They're 8-1-1 one one in the month of November. It's second only to the New Jersey Devils, I think, in terms of points percentage which says something given that it feels like until last night, New Jersey hadn't lost all season long. Um, so the Kraken have hung tough and Edmonton is in a spot where they're like 10th in the conference and they've got a lot of work to do. I think with each passing game, 
the math gets a little bit more daunting. Like I just was crunching the numbers before I joined you guys. They need to go 35, 24, and three down the stretch in order to get to 96 points, which is sort of the traditional barrier to get in. 35, 24, and three is seemingly eminently doable with this group, but they haven't put it together yet. And I think the temperature is getting turned up because there is absolutely no option on the table for this team with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl in the absolute primes of their career to miss the playoffs. Can't have it, can't happen. So they need to figure it out and figure it out fast. Frank, with Ottawa, they lost a third in a row yesterday to Vegas. Uh, Pierre Dorian said last week, DJ Smith is safe. Uh, the injury, I know they have Shabbat out and Norris out, but this is still generally a team that was everybody thought would be a lot better at this point this year. Maybe not, like, just fighting around that bubble. But is DJ Smith, like, long for the Senators' world, or are they just going to ride this out? They got the ownership issue. they just going to ride this out with DJ Smith right now? It seems like that's the case. I mean, we asked again Pierre Dorian last week at the GM meetings in Toronto, and he said, coaching is not the issue. Full stop. It's as simple as that. That was basically an exact quote. That's the second time he's backed DJ Smith to start the season, yet for whatever reason, those cries around DJ Smith and his job continue to grow louder. They continue to, I continue to get questions like this. I don't know how else to answer it other than to point to the GM who says that it's not an issue. Um, But at some point, the injuries can't be the only thing, right? You know, the injuries have been significant. There's no doubt. Um, You're taking a piece off of an already mostly thin back end, but you've gotten a really key contribution from Jake Sanderson, whose game has taken a big step forward. Um, You know, Norris, a 35-goal scorer missing up front, is a significant blow. But this team still should be significantly better than having racked up only 13 points in 19 games to start the season. They're trying to make a trade. At some point, something has to give. Because I think the one thing that drives just about everyone crazy in any fan base is the idea that, the GM constantly is telling you how hard he's working to make something happen. No one's saying his job is easy, but go out and do it. Like stop Mm -hmm. telling everyone how hard you're working and go out and pull the trigger because other teams have found a way, particularly last summer uh, to go out and do stuff when they were faced with some difficult situations. Frank, uh, No Flames players are on your trade targets board. I know it's pretty quiet with them rumor-wise. Anything kind of percolating that you think uh, the club in Calgary might be linked to right now? Well, the the request and, and effort for a scoring winger, I think, has been pending for a long time, really going back to August. Mm-hmm. And I think just seeing the, so the reaction that I got on social media from the trade targets for people were saying, well, man, wouldn't Duclair be a perfect fit? Well, there's also the cap crunch part of it that they're not, they can't really take on a $3 million yeah. winger at this point without giving something back. And so that'd be something to consider. And I, I don't, also don't think Duclair is necessarily the perfect stylistic fit as well. So, um, you know, I, I think they continue to be on the look for that. And, and the really other interesting thing is what happens with Oliver Shillington. I think that situation has been very quiet to this point. Um, the Flames have preferred to keep all of that information private and, and certainly out of full respect for 
for Shillington, um, that's something that, you know, I think everyone should honor. But they probably need some clarity on that at some point Mm -hmm. before deciding whether or not that they need to address the position. Because let's face it, he played a major role on this team last year. And that's a big piece that they're missing right now. So what's Thanksgiving look like in the Saravalli household? Ooh, well, uh, it, I have one more hit to go. I got, I'm going to be talking to the guys in Vancouver on 650 in about a half hour's time. And after that, my wife and I, neither one of us cook and we're hosting, which is kind of a oh. dangerous proposition. But uh, in pure, frank, laziness fashion, I just straight up ordered an entire Thanksgiving meal oh, to go. Nice. Like, 12 person like eight, eight, 18 to 20 pound turkey Jeez. and uh all the all the fixings inside then i'm gonna do my hit in vancouver and i'm gonna drive on over and pick it all up hopefully it's warm and ready to go <laughs> and then it's time for some football and uh maybe a little red maybe some uh yes little uh little treats at the bourbon bar today because yeah oh. americans have their they usually eat during the day yeah they don't they won't wait till the evening because they, yeah. they eat and then they watch the yeah. football and yeah. then they watch football and they booze and well yeah. football's on early it's yeah. on at 12 eastern yeah. and then we'll have everyone over by around three we'll get the appies going mm-hmm. and uh yeah it'll be a it'll be a great day thanksgiving is so, one of my favorite holidays ideally what time is bedtime uh well Ideally, like nine o'clock, but unfortunately, my kids uh, they they usually stay up later than I do if I can stay up that long. So uh, yeah, I don't know. It'd, it'd be I'll take a little afternoon siesta after dinner. The old tryptophan hit. <laughs> a little uh, little power nap. And uh, hey, shout out to the young lad, great Selly in the uh, Timbits goal or the. Oh, uh, I'm not sure what they call it down in Philly. It appears the Timbits goal, but I love that. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. During the Flames game in Philly on Monday, my guy, eight years old, super shy kid, definitely not the best hockey player on his team. Awesome goal, six Ellie, and very proud of him. That'd be. Awesome. Love to see it. Uh, and on Thanksgiving, too, felt like we could give a little shout out there. Uh, Frank, always thankful for you as well. Enjoy the day, man. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. There you go. That's Frank Cervalli. He's brought to you by South Trail Chrysler with inventory shortages across the city. It's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit SouthTrailChrysler.com. Sponsor our Sportsnet 960 NHL Insider. And he's just the best. He's Bo Horvat's he interesting, is. hey? Yeah. Like, Vancouver has that's to be a, real smart with this that's one. a good player. Mm-hmm. That is a good player that is off to an outstanding year. Where's... He's been good in the playoffs before. Mm-hmm. Can play the center position. He's been a number one. Mm-hmm. He could be a two on a dynamite team. Can you imagine going Patrice Berger on Bo Horvat down the middle? Just And then David Krejci? Keep him out of Edmonton, man. Gross. <laughs> they go three down the middle with those three. Yeah, I know. That's the one thing. <laughs> when I see it's Colorado, Detroit, Boston, and Edmonton, Ooh. I'm like, oh, yeah. mm. Same Hopkins way, like, gonna go Ryan back in Reeves, trade? rumored to go to Edmonton. I'm like, oh, Ugh. great. And then he goes to Minnesota. Phew. <laughs> Whoa. Dodge that one. Oh, man. That move made sense to me. I thought Minnesota really liked having Nick Delorier mm-hmm. just beating people up last year. They yeah. kind of they have that, like, 
rough and tumble vibe to them with like a little bit of finesse. And they got the skill now. Zuccarello. Yeah, like they never had that for so long. If they weren't so hamstrung by those buyouts Mm -hmm. of Parisi and Suter, I would be really intrigued to see Horvat there. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) Horvat there playing with uh, Kirill Caprizi. Because that's one thing. I do think that they've at times struggled to find like a legit number one center for that Minnesota Wild team, right? Mm -hmm. Like, They've got some good guys. I love watching Erickson Eck play. That guy is, as far as a mill six shutdown type of centerman, that guy is just about as good as they come. When he's playing with mm-hmm. Felino and Greenway, they are just monsters. Felino had two last night, I think. But right now, down the middle, they're going Sam Steele, Freddie Gaudreau, Erickson Eck, Connor Dewar. Yeah, you got to get, get a little, they got to add there. But again, they can't right now. So. And they don't really have anybody out. Like yeah. Ryan Hartman's out, and he had a really good season last year but mm-hmm. real slow start this year yeah so that's the deal um somehow i asked you about bo horvat we ended up talking about the minnesota wild around the corner <laughs> nfl best bets uh speaking of thanksgiving uh the football is going to get going in about three, three hours. hours time <laughs> it's going to be the bills and it's going to be the detroit lions so if you were you know on your phone kind of watching the the footy yesterday at work today uh, I believe it's the same app, actually. Um, mm-hmm. You can also watch uh, the NFL football. So there you go. We'll uh, discuss our best bets around the corner. And uh, maybe a feature from George, perhaps? I think he's he's going to be around. To what extent, we wonder. But George's picks will also be part of it. <laughs> uh, Brody on the beat coming at you, too. And the Snow Report. Yes. Busy 730. So Portsnet 960, the fan. You're listening to The Big Show on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Midway through the program today, it is a Thursday. Thanks for joining us. It's The Big Show with Russick and Rose, but no George Russick as he is back home. Uh, Niagara, I don't know if you know that's where he's from. Oh, yeah. Okay, not Toronto. No, not Toronto. Oh, uh, come up on the show before. Ah. So, uh, old Niagara Falls. Maybe make that note. Sundowner, Niagara Falls. Sir George's. I know they got a lot of casinos there. Yeah, and um, a big waterfall. Yes. Mm-hmm. You can see Buffalo. Yeah, I don't, sure. I don't, maybe. Apparently, you can hear the waterfall all over the place. Very cool. It's quite stuff. loud. Yeah, cool. Um, so George will be back on Tuesday. My name is Matt Rose. He's Patty Dumont. We got Alex Brody in the other room. Uh, coming up on the show today, going to keep breaking down the Flames game. We got uh, a little bit of thoughts on the World Cup. Ross Tucker is going to join us just after eight thirty. An NFL analyst for CBS Sports and the host of the Ross Tucker podcast. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, the big Thursday slate in the NFL with action starting in just under three hours time we got another soccer report coming at you in this segment too the snow report for ski west brody on the bead but before we get there it is time for our nfl big bets brought to you by sports select sports select has more sports leagues and for a limited time better odds on over under and point spread build your ticket over at sportselect.com Spread. What a spread. Before they spread. Spread your legs. Spread your legs. Spread it around. Spread your wings. Spread it like. Yes, sir. It's our it's our big bets. 
We got some big bets, and we got them for you uh, right here. Uh, just so you know, last week, we actually went pretty, pretty good. It was a solid week. Um, George and Patty Dema both went three and three. I was four and two. All three of us were correct on our Bengals and Steelers picks, which were Bengals minus four and then the over for George. Mm -hmm. We were also correct on all of the Sunday nighter picks where uh, George and Patty had the Chargers plus six and I took the under. So here's how we're standing on the season. Uh, I've taken the lead after last week, Patty. You sure have. Passed you. 24 and 18. Mr. Dumas is 23 and 17, and George is 17 and 25. So we got to get George's picks. He somehow, needs to run the table right? here, yeah. Yeah, well, he has, yeah, he has to do good. But yeah. for the sake of the segment, oh, okay. we had to get George's picks, and he can't just miss a week because then, yeah, he's out. He's then everything's sewer. Yeah, especially with this record. My goodness. Um, so we had to get George in somehow. But the problem was, you know, he, he doesn't want to get up this early when he's on vacation. He doesn't want to get up at 9.30? When he's on vacation. Or maybe he's watching. He's World watching Cup Uruguay or, Perry or career. Right I don't now. know. He he's not going to be on the program. <laughs> but instead, we got um, one of our uh, one of our old pals. Isn't that right, Alex Brody? Yes, check sir. it in. We got melancholy Malcolm. Whoa! Oh. Stop by. Help us out for George. Yeah. Well, that's good because uh, here's the deal. George's picks have been pretty melancholy. Yeah. Yep. Mm. Pretty melancholy. So it's uh, about right that uh, Malcolm is mm -hmm. here to Very share. Fitting. Malcolm, do you have a, a thought on um, just how the listeners should maybe play George's picks this week? Just maybe a thought on that. I've been telling you all season, Fade Roos sick. Malcolm's been saying it all year, man. Fade Roos sick. Fade Roos sick. Uh, we'll get his picks here. We've picked six games. We've each picked a side on them. And uh, hopefully... We can make ourselves a little bit of money over the course of the weekend. and Maybe yourself, too, if you want to uh, pick a pony and ride along. All right. Here's our first game for the day. It's the first game of the day on the schedule, too. Mm -hmm. It's the Buffalo Bills, and it is the Detroit Lions. The total set at 54 and a half. And unless the spread has changed, it is at minus nine and a half. Patty Dumas, where are you going here? You know what? The Lions... They have not had an undefeated month of November since 1962. That's a long time. That is a long time. They have a that's chance. That's like 60 years. That is over 60 years. Well, that's six years. Bang on. Six years. Bang on. Great mass. Yeah. Right on. Woo, Fist bump. Woo, there we go. We're yeah. good at this. Yep. Uh, I like Detroit Lions right now. I'm not saying they might win the game, but I, I think that nine and a half is, uh, is a big number. Bills are not healthy in that secondary. The Lions have been playing some inspired ball on the road. With Dan Campbell, uh, Amon St. Brown, Jamal Williams leads the league in touchdowns. I mean, they're just one-yard carries over the goal line yeah, still. Yeah, three of them last week. Yeah, but you know what? The, the Lions are fun right now. They're 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 playing loose. I like the Lions plus nine and a half on it, Thanksgiving. And they don't play well on Thanksgiving. I know they don't. <laughs> but the Bills haven't been playing all that great as well lately as either. So I like the Lions to cover that nine and a half. All right. Patty's going to take the Lions plus the points. Uh, Mr. George Russick uh, um, being picked by Melancholy Malcolm. I think they work together on these. But let's let's see what the pick's going to be. I ride with the tradition unlike any other. The Lions getting caved in on Thanksgiving. I'll take the Bills minus the points. The Lions usually do get caved in on Thanksgiving. Not a good team. No. 
No, haven't been a good team for quite some time. But a fun, inspired group that I think can cover the spread. And I think Dan Campbell's going to have these guys fighting and ready to cover the spread as well. <laughs> it's far too many points, Patty Dumas. I'm taking the Lions plus nine and a half. I don't know if they're going to win this game, but I think that they can uh, at least get over that nine and a half margin. Uh, second game. It's the other game that we've got to, from today's slate. The New York Giants are taking on the Dallas Cowboys. Total for this one is set at 45 and a half, and the Cowboys currently favored by 10 points. What are you doing here, Patty Dumas? You know what? This, uh, you know, go, go back to their week uh, week three meeting, uh, or no, week two, the Cowboys beat the Giants 20 to 13. Really close game. Dal- uh, the Giants were in that game for a lot. And we didn't know what the Giants were at that point. Yep. I think we kind of know what they are now. After last week's game against the, the Lions, I think this is a team they're beat up. I just don't think the Giants have it in them to continue this, uh, this great start that they've had to this season. Uh, that is a lot of points, however, but the Cowboys had a hell of a week last week. Mm-hmm. They actually play well on Thanksgiving. Uh, I like the Cowboys to cover the 10 points. All righty. Cowboys covering 10. There you go. Minus 10 for Mr. Patty Dumas. Uh, Malcolm, what is George's pick for the Cowboys and the Giants? The Cowboys are flying right now while the Giants look fraudulent. I'll lay the points and take Dallas. Is Creed playing at halftime? <laughs> no, the Jonas Brothers are actually. Really? Yes. They are really? reuniting to play the Thanksgiving halftime at AT&T Stadium. But yes, the Creed halftime, 2001. YouTube it. It's wonderful. Absolutely. Really? Hilarious. Yes, Jonas Brothers are playing. Jonas Brothers? Yes. Huh. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> It's too bad. They should have got Creed. They should have got Creed. They should have got Creed. Uh, I'm going to take uh, the Giants plus 10. It's just too many points. Uh, yeah. Mike Parsons looked to get a little bit banged up in that last game. Questionable for this one. I'm assuming that he'll play because it didn't look like it was a serious injury. Mm. But nevertheless, Thanksgiving, big game. I wonder how much he'll be hampered by it. Uh, I am going to take the Giants plus 10. It's just, Anytime that I see a line like this and you got a team that is above 500 record, I don't care how yeah. you got there. That's a lot of points to give up. Uh, and listen, it's not Kirk Cousins that we're betting on here. <laughs> it's Vanilla Vic. Yep, it's Vanilla Vic. <laughs> uh, let's move on to the Sunday slate. We got the Cleveland Browns taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This one going to be going down in Cleveland after Cleveland played in Detroit against the Buffalo Bills on Sunday. Mm. All sorts of weirdness going on. But right now we're seeing a three and a half point line uh, favored towards the Buccaneers. The total for this one uh, has actually dropped a little bit. It's down to 42 and a half. Patty DeMott, what are you doing? I like that. I like the over in this one. I think the Browns offense is the one thing that works well for this team. They can move the ball pretty well. Nick Chubb's great. Jacoby Brissett has filled in admirably. Uh, he's got one more game before Deshaun Watson comes in next week. Uh, and the Bucks, they've seemed to have turned the corner here. Uh, that Rams game and then going over to Munich, beating the Seahawks, getting a bye week, getting a little healthy. Scary time for the Bucks, but I like the points in this one. Uh, I like to go over the 42 and a half. Patty's taking the total over. I like that. Uh, I like that quite a bit. And the other thing here, uh, this this is easily the hardest game of the six yeah. that we've picked for me to choose. 
Uh, I don't really love either of these teams. I think that the defense for Tampa has been solid. Cleveland's offense has been moving pretty good. Jacoby Brissett continues to impress. Like anytime I watch oh, the yeah. Browns, I'm like, man, this guy, this guy's an actual player. Like this guy could play for sure. But I'm still gonna take Tampa minus three and a okay. half. I don't love the line. I don't love the bet. But I just feel like this is one of those spots where Tampa's gonna be able to go out, get that three and a half. Their defense is really good. Hopefully they can stop Jacoby Brissett. And I wonder how he plays in that last game before. It's like, well, you've been good, and you've done a good job getting us to this point, but too bad it's Deshaun Watson's team now. He's a bad dude, but he's served <laughs> his time, and uh, he's without a doubt better than you. So sorry, Jacoby, but you can beat it. So I do wonder about just how that impacts a team going into this I, matchup Cleveland as well. needs the win. To, if they can win this one, they honest to God believe that Watson can sweep December for them. The NFC North is still not for the taking. There's still Baltimore and Cincinnati still fighting it out. So I think Cleveland, they get a win this week. Look out. I'm going Tampa minus three and a half. Malcolm, what's George going to do here? The Bucks are coming off a bye and are always stout against the run. The Browns want to run. That all means I'll take Brady and take Tampa as the favorite. I'm Joe Pubic right now. What was that last part? What did he say? I'm, I'm Joe Pubic right now. Oh. Don't really know what that means. I don't know. The, mm, I don't want to Google that. No. Nope. No, I don't want to Google that at all. I'm sure there's a reference there that he can explain to us next week. Hey. Um, Bengals and the Titans are the next game on our slate here. Uh, we got the Bengals minus three. The total for this one set at 42 and a half. This game is going to be going down in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. How are you doing on this one, Patty? These two teams are two of the five best teams against the spread this year. Oh. The Titans are 8-2. and two. The Bengals are 7-3. and three. Who day? Who day? But the Titans get no respect. I've been <laughs> saying this. They get no respect. They get no respect. They went into Lambeau last week, put the maybe the final nail in the Packers' coffin this oh, year. I hate to see it. Uh, Tennessee, man. I like this club. Derrick Henry, they play good He's defense. Tannehill can do enough to get by. I like the Titans at home to cover the spread. It's that young uh, rookie receiver, Traylon Burks. Traylon Burks, who had man. just a really good game last week. Yeah, and he's it's, finally healthy. I think it's two games in a row that he's played really yeah. well and kind of given Tennessee a little bit more of an option through yeah, the passing they didn't, game they don't have as well. But here's the thing. It's the Bengals. Who day? I'm not going to go anywhere <laughs> else. i got to take my boys. Bengals minus three points. Malcolm, what's George going to do with this one? Cincinnati on the road is favorite in Music City. I can't justify that. Nope. And I also know Maddie is taking the Bengals. Yep. I'll go Titans plus the points. Well, we're going head to head on this one. <laughs> Fine. Uh, it is. Uh, we get the line at three right now. Yeah. Minus three. I'll take the Bengals minus three. We got two more games to get to. Uh, the Las Vegas Raiders are taking on the Seattle Seahawks. This game's going to go down in Seattle. Right now, the line is three and a half. The Seahawks are the favorites, and the total, it's up there, 47 and a half. Patty Dumont, how are you rolling? I think Seattle can get off the schneid here, get off the you know, they lost in, uh, in Munich, uh, went on the bye last week. Uh, they got the Niners breathing down their necks here uh, at the top of the NFC West. I think Seattle, Geno Smith, still good. wasn't wasn't the reason he they lost in Munich was not because of him. And Vegas is just not a good. It's 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 Devonte Adams. That's it. 
Yeah, pretty much. Josh and Jacobs. Josh Jacobs. But even then, it's like not he's not where he was running at the start of the year either, really. Yeah, sure. So, you know what? I like the Seattle Seahawks to cover that three and a half. I just I think the Raiders are just junk. They, yeah, just a win, at, to get a, a win over Denver at mile high in yeah, overtime, not the greatest. Derek Carr sobbing and throwing his teammates under the bus. It's just if things are not good there. You got reports that they can't fire their head coach because they're broke. Yeah, they literally, like, like literally, Mark Davis is cash poor. He is like, I know he's not like, I say he's still a billionaire. But when it comes to the stature of NFL owners, he's the only one that doesn't have a corporation. Mm. His dad was a coach. Who owned the? Who created the team? And he just inherited it. Yep. So I get that. So they are a cash poor team. Uh, what is uh, what's Georgie gonna do here, Malcolm? The Raiders have been up and down like a toilet seat all season. <laughs> the Seahawks are off or by and should be able to make the Las Vegas walk the plank. That's nice. right. Walk the plank, Maddie. Take Seattle. Walk the plank. I like that. That's yeah. good. Mm-hmm. The Raiders. The yeah, Pirates. I get that. Yeah, that's. Really clever. <laughs> it would have been better for Buccaneers, but whatever. It's fine. They're um, both pirates. Yeah, sure. I'm going to go with the over here. 47 and a half. Um, like you mentioned, like the, the Raiders aren't good, but they've got Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs is a good player. Geno Smith's been running the offense for Seattle this year. I think that they're going to be able to get over that very high total of 47 and a half. Final game on our slate here. Uh, we got the Green Bay Packers taking on the Philadelphia Eagles. A little bit of Sunday night football. The Eagles are a six and a half point favorite. This is a total set at 46 and a half. Mr. Duma, what are you doing? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's tough, right? Green Bay has been awful. It feels like they've been getting things going a little bit more offensively. Mm. Last week, it was Rodgers missing really easy throws. Uh, Philadelphia, not the, you know, they stumbling a little bit. They lose to Washington. Great one out against Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. I think Green Bay could keep this close. I think they could cover the six and a half. Uh, they need it. You're gonna you're gonna take the Green Bay plus the points. Yes. Okay. Uh, melancholy Malcolm. Melancholy Malcolm. Melancholy Malcolm. There you go. <sighs> Easy enough. Um, what's George picking here? Aaron Rodgers says he has been playing with a broken thumb since Week Five. Mm-hmm. Not ideal against the Eagles in Philly. Fire up a cheesesteak and take the Eagles. Is there a good spot to get a cheesesteak in? Calgary. <laughs> I don't know why there's such a delay. <laughs> Is there a good place for a cheesesteak in Calgary? I like that. Um, no, we'll open it up to the text line. I don't know if I got one off the top of my head. Um, when I worked at Charcut, we used to do an outstanding Philly-style sandwich, but it was like the daily sandwich, oh. and they didn't do it every day. But every day that we did it, you'd know that's what I was having for lunch. Mm. So that's that's what I can add. But, hey, if you got anything on the text line, let us know. <laughs> 960-960. For me, I'm going to take the under here. I thought it would be closer to 40, but it's up at 46.5. Like you mentioned, the Eagles won, but they haven't necessarily been clicking on offense the same way that they had been earlier. And the Packers have been pretty inept just all season. I think 46.5 is a great total, and I'm taking the under here. All right. So those are our picks. For the six games coming up this week, if you missed any, go ahead, grab the podcast, Google, Spotify, Amazon, or Apple. This episode is going to be up in about 25 minutes time. You can go over all of our picks and uh, fill out your ticket and uh, all that jazz and uh, let us know how we did come 
Monday when we review all the picks. Once again, standings, I'm at the top, 24 to 18. Patty, 23 and 17 going into this week. And George, bit of a tough start, 17 and 25 on the year. And that's our NFL uh, NFL Big Bets brought to you by Sports Select. We also have to get to the snow show, but real quickly before we do that, uh, it's time for a very fun edition of Brody on the Beat. Is yesterday our boy Broads um, took in a little bit of the World Cup game. Did you watch it at home, Brody? So I watched the first half at home, and then I headed down to the bar and just like wa- I didn't get in because it was packed. They had so the patios I, open though. Yeah, at the ship, so I, eh? yeah. I just, like stood They're on the, the sidewalk and just watched the TV there. Yeah, for the second half. At a B, and then he was perusing the streets and just. Testing the temperature of how Calgary footy fans were feeling after uh, a tough loss for Canada. But, um, you know, at least they got to imbibe. Brody on the beat. Hey, it's Alex, and we are back for yet another edition of Brody on the Beat. Yesterday, Canada was playing their first World Cup match since 1986, right during when I usually record this segment. So I decided to get some real-time analysis from fans catching the match at bars all over downtown. So what impressed you the most from Canada in this opening game despite the loss? The ability for them to continuously stay on the attack. I feel like we should put Jonathan David on the penalty, and um, but all in all, I'm very proud of the team. Regardless if they had scored that penalty, taken one or two of their chances, they easily could have won this game. It's great to see all the Canadians out sporting soccer. It's not hockey for once, so we'll take that as a win from the soccer community. I'm, I'm happy with it. Just they came out and they took the game to Belgium and they played really well. And they should be. I'm disappointed they didn't score, but honestly, I think they deserve to and they should be proud of how well they played. If you look, the shots were like 22 to four but only three made it on target. Yeah, Canada's got to do a better job of finishing if they want a chance. Biggest positive of the game was that Canada outplayed Belgium. And that was something that like, I think everyone expected like Canada to try to maintain Belgium. But at the same time, we were the better team, which was huge for, uh, for Canada in general. What are your thoughts on having the option to be able to drink during the day for the World Cup? All jokes aside, I could make a ton of jokes, you know, what we should be drink, be able to drink at work, be able to, what, you know, all of those jokes aside, yeah. it's uh, <laughs> really, this is a very important moment in, uh, in Canadian sports, yeah. obviously Canadian all soccer in general. And Alberta should look at what they did during the, uh, the Olympics back in when they were in Sochi. 2014, they changed the laws. Man, bring them back. We want to drink at 3 a.m. You're speaking my language now. <laughs> it's a little bit heartbreaking now. I had a, I had a bit higher spirits two hours ago before the game. But. All I need <laughs> is Brody on the beat. Brody on the beat. <laughs> nice job, buddy. Uh, how was the juice? Were there some loaded people oh out there? Oh, my. Some yeah. buckled boys. I think half the people like had a beer in hand still, you know, a lot of them. <laughs> good, um, good. I've made it a quest to try and get a random person to make, like, sing that Brody on the beat every time I go out now. That's yeah. my little side quest. That was a new one? Yeah. That was, was a new guy? Those yeah. were two guys singing together. They, oh. were, they weren't really on, on beat. No. They weren't on the beat. Or on but, key, but yeah. that's fine. They Not tried. too worried about that. Yeah, hey, they put their best foot forward. And uh, way to get out there and uh, taking the game and... Uh, of course, 
We're going to be cheering on Canada for the rest of the tournament as well. They'll play on Sunday. And we're looking forward to the next edition of Brody on the Beat coming up next Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, last segment to uh, close out the hour here, and it is a new one that we're doing on the big show with Russick and Rose. It is the Snow Show. And it's brought to you by Ski West with Calgary's largest selection of gear and expert staff. Ski West has you covered to make this an epic season. Visit their Kensington or airport location today or just head to Ski West. .ca. And obviously, it's pretty early on in the season, so we haven't had a, a ton of of the hills that are open all the time. Uh, for example, Windsport right now, right in our uh, backyard. They're not going to open until November 26th. Castle Mountain expecting to opening their uh, to open up their mountain on December the second. Nakiska currently only doing weekends, um, so not open today. But make sure you check back. Uh, to their snow report over the course of the weekend for the latest conditions as they're opening up on the weekends. Uh, as far as open all the time, how about Mount Norquay on uh, the 17th? They had a couple inches of snowfall. Their base depth is now packed to about 26 inches, and they got 16 open trails and three open lifts uh, as well. Sunshine Village yesterday had about an inch of snow. Their base depth is about 26 inches as well. 56 of 145 trails are currently open, and they've got eight of their 11 lifts open. So we love to see that. And as we get into the season, we'll continue to have a lot of great events that are going on mm-hmm. at these local mountains and uh, continue to get you all the latest on the snow out in the mountains. We know that especially in uh, our fair city, there is a large, large population of people who love to get out and shred some gnar, <laughs> rip up the pow. So we're going to be covering that uh, all Better pizza before your French fry. You get pizza before your French. Dude, the Aspen South Park episode <laughs> is absolutely like a top three. Yeah. It's up there with like the Warcraft and I got to probably pick one of the member berries episodes, but it's up there. Okay. Uh, that is the snow show. It's brought to you by Ski West with Calgary's largest selection of gear and expert staff. Ski West has you covered to make this an epic season. Visit their Kensington or airport location today or head to skiwest.ca. I'm looking to get out a little bit more this year. Yeah? Yeah. The last couple of seasons, I haven't necessarily been able to get out and do it so much because it's a, it's a, it's a big thing. Of course. It's, a, it's an effort. It's a whole day. You got to get out there. You like to have your pals with you. I don't necessarily like to go alone. I don't necessarily think that's very safe either, depending on how you're riding. But for the most part, like I was working a lot on weekends, all my pals, they worked during the weeks. They were off on the weekends. That was when they would go. But now, doing this show, I think I might try and get out to the mountains a little bit more. Might get the old board out, dust it off, maybe wax (laughs) Wax it up, up. sharpen the edges, and go for a shred. I'm going to try and do it this do year. Do it up, man. Do you uh, do any snow sports? No. That's too bad. What about you, Brody? Like once every few years. What is it? Ski or snowboard? Ski, mostly. Is that just because you're Swiss? Like you just hop on the hill and it's just like <laughs> no problem. You just do it in a heartbeat. It's like riding naturally. a bike for you guys. He's in the Nordic combined. Mm. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> nice. Right on. <laughs> uh, looking forward to the snow show all season long. And thanks to Ski West for hopping on. Uh, make sure you go and check out their locations at the airport or Kensington or skiwest.ca. We'll take a break around the corner. A few more thoughts on the World Cup. A few more thoughts on the Calgary Flames, who took a loss in Pittsburgh, but pretty good effort. And Evgeny Malkin scored the game winner, so you can't be too uh, too upset about that, I don't think. And uh, all before Ross Tucker joins the show to break down the NFL week. We got a big hour ahead. Stay tuned. Sports at 960, The Fan.